Imagine your new bathroom. A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. to the New Hyde Show on Education. This is your host, Pamela Clark, and you're listening to Education in the News, where we cover news stories from around the state of Ohio, U.S., and the world. So, as usual, let's get right on into it. There's a lot to cover, a lot happening. So, my first reports or news clips are from Ohio Ed Updates, State and Local Education News. Dayton Daily News reports that Uber Heights School District plans $7 million expansion to include career tech labs. I think I shared this once before, but this is an, an update, I believe. So, um, Uber Heights City School District is moving forward with a $7 million expansion project, including the construction of career tech, technology and makerspace labs. In 2021, the district selected uh, Ruch, uh, sorry, Ruichi Architects to create preliminary designs for the project, which include the renovation of and addition to a building on the Wayne High School campus. The renovated building will house three career tech labs for student use. These labs... <clears throat> Excuse me, will allow students to experience hands-on education within the construction, electric and carpentry, HVAC and welding fields. And the Marion Star reports that Tri-Rivers Ramtech paves way for engineering education across Ohio. February was Career Tech Education Month, and at the heart of career technical education in Marion is Tri-Rivers Career Center. Ramtech, Ohio, Robotics Educational Facility. The opportunities for hands-on learning, the center offers the community, the community are cutting edge and collaborative in nature, bringing a ripple effect of hands-on engineering experience to high school students. Marion's Ramtech, Ohio, brought over 20 more replicated training sites across the state of Ohio. The location at Tri-Rivers Career Center is not only the first of its kind, but also deeply rooted in Marion's manufacturing history. And East Liverpool Review reports that Lisbon schools ready for dyslexia laws. 
Lisbon School Superintendent Joseph Sifke, or Sifke said he thinks the laws were needed and he is a supporter. He, quote, the learning gap has always been there, but now it's widening, he said. Quote, continued, if kids can't read early on in their career, we are setting them up for delay after delay after delay. Sifke said, or Sifke, I'm not sure which way to say it. Sifke said the district had known the changes were coming and had been planning ahead. The teachers that we have looking at the draft believe in it and believe in making a differ difference in Sifke or Sifke. Um, and then, let's see, Warren Tribune Chronicle reports the three educators from LaBray nominated as life changers. Six area educators, including three from LaBray, have been nominated for the 2021-2022 National Life Changer of the Year Award. Life Changer of the Year receives hundreds of nominations from all 50 states and the District of Columbia each year. During the 2021-2022 school year, 18 individual Life Changer of the Year awards will be given. 56 nominees are from Ohio. Life Changer of the Year recognizes and rewards the best K-12 educators and school district employees across the United States who are making a difference in the lives of students by exemplifying excellence, positive influence, and leadership according to its website. And Martin's Ferry Times Leader reports that Belmont County Spellers compete. Jacob Thieker will head to Washington, D.C. to complete the national finals after securing first place in the Belmont County Spelling Bee on Thursday evening. Countless hours of studying paid off for the Martins Ferry Middle School 7th grader, who, after successfully completing eight rounds, won the competition. The 13-year-old Thieker took home first place after correctly spelling the words embryo and pachinko the final two words of the contest. This was his second year competing in the County B. And the Akron Beacon Journal reported that in-school credit union branch gets kids ready for real life. Betty Lynn Fisher, um, students at Barberton High School are getting a real life experience inside the halls of the school, right next to the main office to be exact. A branch of the New Horizon Federal Credit Union opened last week. It runs by student employees with the assistance of their recently retired teacher, who now is the high school liaison for the credit union. That sounds like a unique opportunity, doesn't it? Okay, the next reports that I have are from ASCD Smart Brief. You can look them up online if you're interested. Uh, New York Times reported that the, well, the, the title of the story is Our Laws on Teaching Race Having a Chilling Effect. Legislation in some states that restrict teaching race and racism in classrooms may have been, ha, may be having a chilling effect on lessons, including those on Black History Month, says Grace Leatherman, Executive Director of the National Council of History Education. Eric Parker, a history teacher in Oklahoma, says he plans to continue lessons 
that are, quote, best for students, but says the laws have made him more cautious. The Associated Press reports the students to view their artwork at White House. Second grade students at Washington, D.C. Elementary designed Valentine's Day hearts that are displayed in the White House. The students are expected to visit the White House today with their teacher to see the artwork and engage in other activities with First Lady Joe Biden. Now, let me see what this was dated. This was dated actually on Valentine's Day. We're a bit behind, but again, these just pour in and there's no way to fit everything in within an hour and we're always kind of behind a little bit but i still think that the the sh this show is pretty unique in in the way that it covers all these different stories that even if they are a little delayed um you probably didn't hear about them in mainstream media so anyways back to what i have to share here um edutopia reports that superintendent p bell p BL should model real-life scenarios. The most project-based learning is modeled after the real world. The more effective it is, writes Michael McDowell, superintendent of Ross School District in California. In this article, McDowell shares five strategies to help PBL, project-based learning, and real-world issues, including facing fluid, not static challenges. And uh, Michigan Live reported that Michigan District opens SEL Development Center. A Michigan school district is, support, is working to support the whole child by opening a new social and emotional learning and professional development center where students can learn about their emotions. Among the features in the center are stationary bike students can use if they are upset or need to calm down and chairs designed for students who have trouble sitting still. And the journal reported that district uses tech tools to address language barriers. The platform Parent Square, I, ha I don't know anything about it, by the way, has helped to improve communication with families in a district where students across it, 32 schools speak more than 60 languages writes Shelley Regani, Executive Director of Equity, Community Engagement, and Communications at North Clackamas School District in Portland, Oregon. In this commentary, Regani says the platform has several benefits, including helping to break down the language barriers. Again, you can look that up on the journal.com. And I'm actually going to try to learn more about that myself. So... Just a moment while I get the next story up. Um, EdSurge reported that a, a recent report reported that 9% of child care providers closed. 9% of licensed child care providers have closed their doors since the start of the coronavirus pandemic. According to a report from the Child Care Aware of America, the data, the data is less severe than originally predicted. Though officials say it represents a loss of jobs and access to child care affecting children and their families. 
Yeah, I would have thought it was a lot higher, too. I don't know about you. What are your thoughts? Do you know um, in your area, wherever you live at, have you seen an impact like this in the child care community? Have you yourself faced it? Love to hear from you. Okay, and then uh, let's see. BNN Bloomberg in Canada reports that school nutrition pros serve meals to quarantine students. When students are exposed to or have a case of the coronavirus, it can mean missing days of schools and school meals. Quote, we are having, we are constantly reaching out to parents to cover every household in the school system, said Larry Wade, Director of School Nutrition Services for Chesapeake Public Schools in Virginia, which provides a week's worth of meals for families who are dealing with the coronavirus. Uh, also, this is not something necessarily in the news. I mean, it might be. I, I never hear about it in the news. But this is from Close Up Wa Washington, D.C. And we receive the information every year. But it's it's for inspiring and engaging students. And it's supposed to have been around for, since 1971. I know some of our past students did participate in this. And I think they had a pretty positive experience. Um, it says, oh, let's see, surely welcoming students back to Washington, D.C. For, for 50 years, we have been inspiring and empowering students from across the country to become more engaged citizens. With an increasing emphasis on civic engagement in the classroom and a return of school trips, I would like to, to discuss how we can partner together for this next school year. So um, they're looking for nonprofits and educational leaders to help them with this. But I just thought I'd share it on here and, and if anybody wants information they can always email us as well. So through their year round experimental learning programs in the nation's capital, students will gain critical tools they need to become lifelong engaged students or citizens and learn how they can take action on the issues they care about. Our unique programming includes dynamic instructors current issues, workshops, local neighborhood visits, and opportunities to hear directly from policymakers. And, um, yeah, so you can look that up. Let me see. I think it's closeup.org. Let me... Yeah, closeup.org. Let me see if there's any... I guess that's all you need, just closeup.org, and you should be able to find the information about it. Just a moment while I bring up the next story. This is from Smart Brief on EdTech, and this is from Education Week, or the full story was covered in Education Week, and it says, Why do hackers target K-12 schools? That's the title of the article. Hackers increasingly are targeting K-12 schools with ransomware and other attacks, largely because they possess a lot of data on, online, on an online network. The article examines the identifiers of hackers could be anyone from bored students to organized cybercriminals, 
and what schools can do to thwart attacks, such as training employees to recognize suspicious activity and screening emails. And Manistee News Advocate in Michigan reports that Catholic school students compete in robotic contests. Um, covered this before as well, but elementary and middle school students at Manistee Catholic Central in Michigan designed and built robots to the school's popular robotics program. Students participate in contests in which their robots compete against others to determine which can be which can complete the most hack tasks, excuse me, on a set course. Here's one from the from EdTech again. It says how women can climb the education IT ladder. Taking an indirect path to education IT jobs, defining the position and taking risks can help more women thrive in IT roles. Three education IT leaders said during a recent TCEA conference panel discussion, just 28% of the consortium for schools networking members are women. The organization reports and current leaders with a social media presence can help make a difference, the panelists said. I have a lot of repeats, just a moment. I don't want to miss anything either. So this is from ZDNet. Um, and it says, Report Tech vendors average 52 days to fix reported bugs. Apple, Microsoft, and Google collectively accounted for 65% of the bugs reported from 2019 to 2021. Google's Project Zero reports also, tech vendors take an average of 52 days to resolve reportedly security vulnerabilities, Google Report says. I don't know if you've, you've heard of this. Um, teachers and educators would probably be interested in this. I'm not sure. They're supposed to be sharing it within the school districts, but I'm, I'm not sure if it, it really reaches all teachers, so you can always forward this um, on to a teacher. But um, there's there's a uh, let me see. I'm trying to find the right. Okay, there's infoohio.org. So I guess this is targeted at Ohio educators. But you could look up in your own uh, states if they have something compared to it. But it's called Open Space. And you can go to openspace.infoohio.org to learn about it. And you can sign up for like a free account. And Info Ohio is Ohio's pre-K to 12 digital library. And their mission is to transform student learning by providing equitable access to quality resources, cost-effective instructional, instructional and technical support for each student, educator, and parent in Ohio. So parents can look into this as well. Info Ohio is optimized by the Management Council, which represents and supports the collaborative efforts of Ohio's information technology centers. 
So in other words, they've gathered, it could be full lessons like curriculum um, and other resources to share and learn through this learning platform. And they have like hubs and groups that you can join. Our organization did sign up for it, um, but I'm still kind of learning about it and, and exploring it and so forth. The only thing that I will warn you about is this is something that is created through Ohio, obviously targeting educators and schools. So um, there may be some common core elements within these lessons and, but, uh, and I'm sure there is, I'm sure there's things that we probably wouldn't want our students to learn or our children to learn. But it's also worth taking a look at just so you're informed. And maybe there is some fraction of it that would be usable um, that wouldn't have the negative ideologies in it. I don't, I don't know because I'm just kind of over the last couple of weeks just started to kind of look into it and so forth. But I wanted to share in case any of you know someone that, it may benefit. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Just a moment. Sorry. Um, I'm actually trying to save that email into a specific folder. And it, okay, now I did it. So, um, all right, this is from PR Daily, and it says three ways to collaborate even when teams disagree. Friction between team members can reduce can be reduced by making time to build relationships, space to disagree, and shared goal of making progress, writes Adam Kahane of Rios Partners and an author on collaboration. Quote, to the maximum extent possible, you need to enable people to employ their autonomy and agency and create space to freely find out if they can align and collaborate on. Kahane writes, now I will say I have a lot of experience collaborating with a lot of different types of people from different cultures and places. And New um, Heights has volunteers from all over the world. And... I think it's helpful if you have one thing that you know that you all agree on. So for us, it's education, making education fair and equal for everyone willing to work on or work for it and to kind of, you know, undraw those lines that have been drawn by others in the past and education, getting education out to people. But when you're focusing on one specific goal, you can accomplish some really great things. And that's my experience. You don't have to, um, you don't have to talk about personal things or things that are, you may not agree on. You don't have to share every aspect of your life with someone to, to make a difference and to work with them. Um, and you also, you know, have to let go of ego sometimes as well, but just my thoughts on it. I think it's about time for a commercial break, so um, I'll be right back. Thanks. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. 
Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. This is your host, Pamela Clark, and you're listening to Education in the News. Let's get right back into it. Still a lot to cover. This is from the Idaho Statesman in Boise, Idaho. Idaho bill would offer parents learning recovery grants. A bill approved last week in the Idaho Senate would allow parents to apply for grants of $1,000 per student or $3,000 per family to help address learning recovery with tools such as technology, tutoring, and therapies. It's also a recognition of ongoing needs the students in Idaho have and that there is a potential different avenue to provide resources to those students, said Senator Lori Dean Hartog, the bill's sponsor. Okay, WTBQ-TV in Lexington, Kentucky reported, (coughs) (coughs) excuse me, Kentucky Board continues to work on profile of a graduate. Efforts to create a statewide profile of a graduate that identifies skills, knowledge, and characteristics needed for future are progressing. The Kentucky Board of Education says, when put into practice, the approach helps students work toward being a collaborator, communicator, and a critical thinker. David Cook, the state's education innovation leader, told the board, Okay, just a moment while I switch to another article. <clears throat> this is from Ohio Ed Updates. And um, they're having Business Education Leader Awards for Excellent Business Advisory Councils. They're having like a live um, online meeting and it would be on March 9th, which actually would be after this broadcast. Um, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and just not even bother sharing that. Sorry about that. Okay, Smart Brief on Special Education. Okay, this is from Southwest Time Record. <clears throat> In Fort Smith, Arkansas, Arkansas students gain life skills through program. Students at Southside High School in Fort Smith, Arkansas, are learning skills necessary for independent living, including buying and cooking food, budgeting, and other ways to apply academic lessons in daily life. The students are also introduced to their community to encourage them to take part in it, gain skills through volunteering, says Teacher Megan Thompson. And the Atlanta, Georgia, or I'm sorry, the Atlanta Journal Constitution says that Georgia teachers protest bills to limit teaching about race. So this is more 
from what we were discussing earlier. This is dozens of teachers and supporters gathered um, in Georgia's state capitol to protest legislation that would restrict discussions about race in the classroom. Abigail Graff is a high school teacher in Gwinnett County Public Schools, said history, real history, is uncomfortable, while history that feels good is propaganda. All right, this is from the Foundation Center, and they reported that Gutmaker Institution, or maybe it's Gutmacher, Gutmacher Institute receives 15 million gift from Mackenzie Scott. The largest gift in the history of the Institute will support its strategic priorities, including the development and implementation of its equitable partnerships model in the United States and globally. Penn State receives 125 million gift for Leonard Lauder for nursing school. The largest gift ever to an American nursing school will establish the Leonard A. Lauder Community Care Nurse Practitioner Program, which will recruit and prepare a, divor, divor, <laughs> a diverse cadre of expert nurse practitioners to provide primary care to individuals and families in underserved communities across the U.S. And SUNY Graduate Center receives $4 million for astrophysics. The grant from Simons Foundation will support a new astrophysics master's program designed to prepare students from all backgrounds and excel in astronomy and physics doctoral programs. <clears throat> that sounds interesting. So if you're interested, or if you live in the New York area, or even if you don't, if you're interested in um, one of those things, you might want to look that up. <clears throat> All right, so this is from ASCD Smart Brief. And this is from Chalkbeat in Detroit, Michigan. Pandemic diminishes literacy instruction in Michigan. The coronavirus pandemic has harmed literacy instruction in Michigan. With students from low-income families, those who speak English as a second language, and students of color receiving less literacy instruction over the past year. According to a report from the University of Michigan, the report found that half of the third graders in 2020-2021 school year were considered reading deficient at some point between first and third grade. Now, when I read this, I'm sorry for chuckling, but this is nothing new. Imagine your new bathroom, a sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. At One Day University, 
we feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly Scholar Newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. This was happening way before COVID. This has been going on for generations. So if they're going to try to blame it on the pandemic, their shortfalls, well, then it's a lie. So, yeah, I don't I don't buy that. Um, all of those things have been happening for generations. So I call horse, horse malarkey <laughs> on that. So. All right. Um, the Herald Banner, Greenville, Texas. High school CSI. Students study crime scenes. Students at Texas High School are learning about the science behind crime scene investigation and forensic classes taught by Lori Barber, who also teaches biology. The classes include plenty of hands-on activities. Barber says such as analyzing blood splatter, observing decomposition rates of dead chickens, and creating crime scene dioramas and solving mock murders. <clears throat> and Smart Brief on Education reports that how to strengthen superintendent pipeline. Schools can take steps to prevent a dearth of education leadership and higher superintendent turnover assert Doug Roberts, CEO of the Institute for Education Innovation, and Lavelle Brown, superintendent of Ithaca City School District in New York. In this blog post, they share strategies for student or for superintendent recruitment and retention, including making the role more attractive and highlighting the achievements of underrepresented populations such as women and people of color. Okay. Um, Heckinger Report reports that, or the question of their article is, does online tutoring help, or uh, I'm sorry, does online tutoring work? Online tutoring is booming, but question remains about its effectiveness. In one study, data shows that high dosage online tutoring may be effective, but academic improvements were diminished by about half when students receive just two hours a week of online tutoring. Now, in my experience, students um, that come to New Heights, they have to do three hours of one-on-one -on -one tutoring a week, um, and that's three different days. That's per subject, and depending on the subject as well. So some subjects wouldn't take that much, but the core subjects like math and reading, and those would. So... Um, I think online tutoring can be very helpful. I mean, especially with the technology that we have now, um, unlike ever before. I mean, it, it's amazing what you can do online now. And New Heights was excelling at it before COVID ever happened. So um, we know from experience that it, it does change lives and it doesn't matter if it's online or in person. Uh, and I know there's some cases, some cases that they can't handle online learning at all, and that's okay. 
but for a lot of people it does work just my opinion <clears throat> okay uh, facility executive magazine reports that sports lead schools to focus on indoor air quality School systems have begun to focus more on indoor air quality to ensure the health and safety of participants and fans during the indoor sport, sporting events such as basketball games. HVAC upgrades, scheduled maintenance, and optimum HVAC settings all play important roles in improving indoor air quality in gyms and similar facilities, Chris Morosco writes. Isn't that kind of interesting, though, because... Shouldn't that have been a factor all along? I mean, kids do learn inside school buildings, right? Supposedly. They sit there all day, so that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, this kind of makes you scratch your head of, what are they talking about? Why, is, why wouldn't this be an issue before? Okay. as I switch over again to some more articles. This is from Ohio Ed Updates, state and local education news. Cincinnati Inquirer reports that reaching out Cincinnati Children's City School brings vaccines to diverse neighborhood. More than 40 doctors, nurses, and clinicians, clinic, I can't say it today, Clin, clinic, I, I know how to say it. I just can't right now. Sometimes I have like a a speech thing, but, but I just can't say it today. Yeah. So people that work with the doctors and nurses, um, many of whom speak Spanish, will set up vaccine clinic at East Price Hill Elementary this week. Welcome neighborhood families. The Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Hospital Medical Center Vaccine Clinic planned with Cincinnati Public Schools is welcomed event, says Luz Elena Schimmel. Now, if you're listening to our show, you probably know where I stand on this already, but this isn't good. Don't don't put these vaccines in your children. They're, they're not what they're saying that they are. Um... All right, let's see here. Youngstown Vindicator, Schaffen Instructor Earns Life Changer Nomination. Okay, um, six area educators, including one from Schaffen Career and Technical Center and Youngstown have been nominated for the 2021-2022 National Life Changer of the Year Award, making them eligible to receive one of 17 cash prizes up to $10,000 to share with their school or their district. And I know I shared some of this earlier, but Okay, uh, moving on. Lorraine Morning Journal, Northeast Ohio, Connecting for Kids, Recognizing Efforts with Awards. Connecting for Kids is recognizing five individuals with 2022 board awards because they exemplify the mission of the agency by providing education and support to families concerned about their child, according to a news release. David Schindler, resident of Avon Lake and director of pupil services and special education for Avon Lake City Schools, was selected as the 2022 Educator of the Year. 
Okay, and Dayton Daily News reports that Kettering School Superintendent to retire in August. Scott Inskeep, the Kettering City Schools Superintendent, told staff and school board members on Monday that he will be retiring in August. <clears throat> he has been a superintendent for 20 years, the past eight in Kettering. Quote, honestly, it's just been a great opportunity, Inskeep said of his time at Kettering School's Quote, I absolutely love Kettering. And Cleveland ABC 5 reports that Euron City Schools 8th grader received special message from space. An 8th grader from the Euron City School District is shooting for the stars and getting one step closer to his dream of working in aerospace. Grant Brower, a 14-year-old, is just one of 20 students across the United States who are getting personalized messages from NASA's Mars Perseverance Rover on Tuesday afternoons. That's neat. Okay. I'm going to get to the next one. Bear with me for a moment. Okay, this is from Middle Web Smart Brief. And uh, the story was covered by Salem Reporter in Oregon. Oregon fourth graders draw portraits of board members. A group of Oregon fourth graders presented their local school board with hand-drawn portraits of each of its members in honor of the school board appreciation month. Board members praised the students' attention to detail in the portraits, which were gifted to their subjects during a recent meeting. Sorry, a lot of repeats again. This is from Chalkbeat, Tennessee, and it says Tennessee Bill Duplicative School Librarian says state lawmakers in Tennessee this week are expected to consider Governor Bill Lee's proposed age-appropriate materials act of 2022 the legislation would ensure parents know what materials are available to students in school libraries but school librarians say that information all already is available uh bull pucky i'm going to call bull pucky on that that's great that they're doing this bill it's great that they're trying to include parents but a lot of parents do not know what is being shared in the classrooms, as we've seen in some of the recent um, parent um, parents going to schools and kind of fighting the schools on a lot of the different things that are happening, including the mandates and stuff like that. So, no, they they aren't completely aware of things. Hence, the reason for the bill. <clears throat> okay, just a moment, I think. We, it's time for another commercial break. We will be right back. Hello, listeners. If you're enjoying the New Heights show on education and want to support or donate to our organization, please visit www.newheightseducation.org. And while you're there, check out our online store. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. 
You're listening to Education in the News, and I'm Pamela Clark. Let's get right back into it. Okay, a smart brief on education reports that district adopts adopts communication platform for parents. A communication platform designed to improve dialogue with parents has improved school-home communication since implementing it. According to Ashton Brelanthin, Communications Coordinator in Danville Community School Corp. in Indiana. In this blog post, Brelanthin shares five benefits of the platform, including better engagement with families. And again, you can go to Smart Brief on Education and then look up District Adopts Communication Platform for Parents if you want to read more about that. Okay, I know there was another article. Oh, here it is. A Georgia district installs air purification system on buses. Uh, WMGTV in Macon, Georgia reported this. A Georgia school district is using air purification technology to help clean the air on the school buses. Officials say the air purification system is intended to help the district cut down on bus drivers' absences due to illness. Um, this, this is kind of like a lot. Um, this is from America's Frontline Doctors. I don't know if you're familiar with it, um, but I thought this was kind of interesting. Let me find the right thing here. Okay, let me go to this. This is from, I mean, what I said it was from, but it it, it was published through AFLDS.org on that, well, they shared it with um, American Frontline Doctors. This says Pfizer pulls small child emergency use request after AFLDS spotlights vaccine trial failure. An AFLDS alerted public that Pfizer's push for a two-dose approval based on hope third dose could work. Less than two weeks after the frontline news highlighted serious issues with Pfizer's initial request to the FDA for use of its mRNA vaccine in six-month-old infants and small children up to four years old. NBC News reports the pharmaceutical giant has pulled its request for emergency use authorization in that age group. Dr. John Torres, NBC News senior medical correspondent, notes that Pfizer avoided terms like delay or pull, opting issue, a press release describing this action as merely a move to extend submission it announced just 10 days earlier. Pfizer, Inc. and BioNTech, S.E., Today announced plans to extend their ruling submission to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration seeking to amend emergency use authorization of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine to include children six months through four years, which had been requested by the FDA. Keeping results from the public eye, Pfizer's extension of its ruling submission pushes off the FDA's publication of its analysis of Pfizer's date to date 
on infants and children. NBC News says this move came amid... At One Day University, we feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly scholar newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. New on Curiosity Stream. This bear is walking right at me. We'll see if he wants trouble or not. Follow filmmaker Casey Anderson as he gets an unprecedented face-to-face look at Alaska's fiercest carnivores on the tracker's diary, Bears of Katmai. Plus, why is a tiny island in the Pacific one of America's most crucial outposts? Discover the truth behind this mysterious trans-Pacific stopover on Extremities Wake Island. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Experts' opposition in the initial FDA plans to approve two doses of a vaccine, while Pfizer continued to gather data on a third. The FDA was expected to publish an analysis of the Pfizer data Friday ahead of an advisory committee meeting next week. The FDA said Friday the meeting had been postponed. Quote, two people familiar with FDA's plans said that they had already been, there had already been a lot of pushback the agency from outside experts who had concerns that Pfizer's data was, wasn't sufficient. The experts felt one of the people said that their concerns were falling on deaf ears within the agency. And then Pfizer makes an unusual request. In an article entitled, entitled Pfizer's Vaccine for Infants and Children Under Five, Five Facts You Need to Know, Pharma giant pushes vaccine for small children despite failure in clinical trials. AFLDS shined a spotlight on Pfizer's highly unusual strategy for perhaps the first time in FDA history. The company planned to push through approval of a failed vaccine on the assumption that it will later obtain positive results with a higher dosage, which would then be incorporated into the approval. How crazy is that? Continuing on with this article, though, NBC News now agrees Pfizer's request for authorization for two doses was an unusual request, given that the first two shots didn't work and there's no guarantee that adding a third dose will be sufficient. Casting light on Pfizer's strategy. AFLDS, first facts you need to know about the vaccine extension to small children, warned number one. Pfizer and FDA are moving forward despite the failure of its drug trials on children under five. AFLDS pointed out that Pfizer was already forced to go and concede its failure to demonstrate efficiency um, in this age group in a December report. Two doses of the pediatric vaccine failed in two, three, and four-year-olds to trigger immune response comparable to what was generated in teens and older adults. AFLDS, second fact you need to know, revealed that a third dose is already planned. The AFLDS explained then that due to disappointing results from the trials of two-shot regimen in children five and under, Pfizer immediately began testing a third dose on those children, amending its study to provide for a third injection. 
The FDA approved approval was based on assumptions, question mark. AFLDS highlighted the degree to which conjecture was incorporated in Pfizer's request, request with a Washington Post quote of an anonymous administration official stating that Pfizer's briefing of Dr. Anthony Fauci and other public health officials included a robust conversation that three doses were likely to be much better than two shots and three and children under five, excuse me. But to get to three, you have to get to two first. There's interest in seeing this move forward. That is an interest based on conjecture, likely to be much better in the face of failed experiments. Failed in two and three and four-year-olds to trigger. Using emergency use authorization to expand experiments on to all s- small children. AFLDS, third fact you need to know, demonstrated plans to add the third jab just two months after obtaining emergency use authorization for the first two shots. Number three, the third dose may already be added to the second or scheduled dosing of infants. I'm sorry, second dosing, dosing of infants and young children by April. AFLDS explained that despite the fact that Pfizer itself would not obtain data on its third shot in, in children until April, knowledgeable individuals, that's their in quotes, informed the Washington Post that once the information is submitted, regulators are expected to authorize a third dose of the pediatric vaccine. We know that two doses isn't enough and we get that dot dot dot. <laughs> the idea is let's go ahead and start the review of two doses. If that holds up the submission, you could start kids on the primary baseline months earlier than if you don't do anything until the third dose data comes in. Emphasis added. So, what's next? In pulling its request for emergency use authorization on children under five, Pfizer and FDA may have tactfully agreed that an informed American public will not accept experimentation on small children. The company and the government now wait for data to justify the use of the mRNA vaccine in small children before asking parents to enlist infants as young as six months in the vaccine program. ABC News quoted Dr. Peter Marks, director of FDA's Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, quote, We realize now in data that came in very rapidly because of the large number of cases of Omicron. This is, that is, that at this time, it makes sense for us to wait until we have data from the evaluation of a third dose before taking action. You think? <sighs> Anyways, you may want to look up um, America's Frontline Doctors. Okay, I'm going to do another one as well from them. This can also be found on AFLDS.org. It says Israel Education Ministry ordered 1,556 defibrillators installed in all schools over 500 children in preparation for children's vaccine campaign. What? Think about what I just said. Really? 
1,556 defibrillators installed in all schools with over 500 children. In preparation for what? Children's vaccine campaign. You see why I'm against this? Regulations established three years ago suddenly published in parallel with children's vaccine campaign launch. Israel's education ministry in January issued regulations establishing a legal obligation to have a first aid kit and installed defibrillators in all educational institutes, schools, and kindergartens with over 500 students. According to a real-time news expose, the regulators, which were in fact set regulations, I'm sorry, which were in fact set at three years ago, have since accumulated dust, were published in parallel with health ministries' preparations for vac- vaccinating children, such as the ministry began vaccinating teenagers 16 to 18 in Israel. According to the regulations entitled First Aid Study, Regulations in Possession of Resuscitation Devices, and first aid kits in schools, 57, 41, 20. Every school with over 500 students must have at least one resuscitation advice. The regulations went into effect in April in preparation for vaccinating children ages 12 to 15. Just weeks before the FDA granted the Pfizer an emergency use authorization for this age group, the Education Ministry issued a circular uh, re- regarding the legal obligation that will take effect on um, April 1st, 2021, to hold a first aid kit in every educational institute, kindergartens, and elementary schools in possession of a resuscitation device in educational institutes with over 500 students. Um, this is a pretty lengthy thing i'm i'm gonna post it through our social media as well but you can go on that site and then um this was actually published february 14 2022 posted by frontline news staff if you want to look it up maybe a good idea because like i said it's pretty lengthy All right, let's see what else I have. We only have about five more minutes. So this is from the Foundation Center. It says, Jack Kent Cook Foundation announces cohort Cook College Scholars. The foundation provides each of its college scholars with up to 55000 per year for up to four years to complete a bachelor's degree. And Elon Musk donated $5.7 billion worth of Tesla stock in 2021. The donation gift was made over the course of more than one week in November and in the middle of a series of stock sales by Musk. And, okay, it's all about one. Okay, this is from Ohio Ed Update, state and local news. Just hold on a moment. A lot of this is repeat again. Marietta Times reports that People's Bank gives $100,000. Thanks to a $100,000 donation by People's Bank, Junior Achievement will coordinate and lead semester-long 
financial literacy programs for high school students throughout the state beginning next academic year. The new program is in response to Senate Bill 1 signed into law by Governor Mike DeWine in October. The bill requires all high school students to take and pass a financial literacy course offered by Junior Achievement to graduate. The bank donation of 100000 will allow Junior Achievement to roll out the program in five areas across Ohio at no cost to the partner schools. Moment. Okay, this is from ASCD Smart Brief. National Public Radio reports that number of homeless students likely undercounted. The number of homeless youth and children is undercounted partly because of hidden homelessness in which children temporarily stay at someone else's home and do not receive support, says Barbara Duffield, executive director of the nonprofit Schoolhouse Connection. Advocates say this, coupled with the lack of uniform definition of homelessness and the stigma associated with homelessness, makes it challenging to support this population. things that aren't repeated. Uh, this from Education Week. Many schools not offering extra sick time during pandemic. More than half of K-12 schools are not offering employees additional paid sick time beyond their regular allotment during the coronavirus pandemic, according to an EdWeek Research Center. Some leaders also reported certain restrictions on the paid leave, such as applying it only to those who are exposed to the virus at work or those who tested positive, not just had a close contact. Because they're getting desperate. NBC News, Washington Post, ABC News, and the Associated Press reports that gun manufacturer settles with Sandy Hook families. Gun manufacturer Remington Arms agreed Tuesday to a $73 million settlement with the families of nine victims killed in Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Connecticut. The decision, which comes nearly 10 years after the massacre that claimed the lives of 21st graders and six staff members, represents the first time a gun manufacturer has been held accountable for a mass shooting in the U.S. <clears throat> oh, whoops, I meant. Check our time. I think we're about out of time. Yes, we are. We are out of time. Well, I thank you for spending this last hour with me and going over the news with me. There's much more. <laughs> um, I want to remind everyone here that <clears throat> on Sundays, on the New Heights Show on Education, we have Barbara Bullen and her new show on the history of civil rights. And on Fridays, we have Only in Tibet um, that covers issues related to youth. Um, so, and then my show is on Wednesdays by 6 p.m. 
So please, you know, um, look into those other shows. I think you'll enjoy them. And until next time. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings. Imagine your new bathroom. A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels.